Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you for those fathers who have guided us faithfully as we have walked this road of life. We thank you, Lord, for being our father figure. Lord, we pray this morning for those who have not had good father figures or good examples of that. We ask, Lord, that you continue to heal them this morning. Lord, we come to you this morning reminded that you are good and mighty and love us so. You've called us together that we might worship you and hear your voice as you speak to us. Thank you for allowing us to be together, for allowing us to celebrate the victories of this week, for allowing us to share in the difficulties and challenges of the week as well. Quiet our hearts that we would hear your voice today. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage, I got, I got it, you know, I feel like I got to give you like five chapters of updates to get you to where we're at. Uh, but I won't do that. We'll do that maybe in this sermon. But I want, I want, I hope you had a chance to read 1 Samuel 20 or remember this story. Let me tell you a little bit about the story before I read the story. That might help you remember the story. If not, I want to encourage you to go back to like even 1 Samuel 16 when David is actually anointed um, as the young ruddy uh, guy, uh, the youngest of, uh, his, the, of the sons. And this is like the other side of that. This is the end of that situation uh, when, he, when he does break because he becomes a part of Saul's uh, under Saul, and then at this, this point, he's actually going to be removed or leaving from that situation. But let me, tell you, let me tell you a little story. So this might help you remember the story before I tell you. Do you remember the story where David ha- or, uh, Jonathan has a bow, and he has a young guy? So just, just think about this for a second. I have the bow, and Brentley is going to go out and get the arrows. Where's Brentley? I'm making fun of him. I'm, mock- I'm mocking him because it says there's a young boy. <laughs> And the story goes like this. So David is, is thinking that Saul is going to kill him. He's, he's going to run a spear through him. And, and he's already, Saul has, is so jealous of David and the, uh, and the way that he carries himself and the way that God has blessed him. And Saul is feeling paranoid and, and already has thrown, chucked a spear at him once um, and is threatening to kill him. And David feels really at the end of his... And so Jonathan is David's best friend, his buddy, um, closer, it says closer than brothers. And so Jonathan says, surely my dad wouldn't kill you if, if, unless he told me he was going to kill you. And David says, no, he, he doesn't want you to know he's going to kill me and then it'll be too late. And so they make this situation. Jonathan says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go to dinner and I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell my dad that, uh, that you got called away from a family business. And if my dad's okay with that, we'll know everything's all right. But if my dad's not happy, then I'll know for sure that he's trying to kill you. And you know, if you know the story, Saul tries to 
throws the spear at Jonathan, right? He, he's, he's really mad. And so the next day happens, and the deal is this. Jonathan says, if you go hide behind this rock, and I'm going to take my bow and arrow, and I'm going to pretend to practice. I'm going to have my little boy, Brentley, come with me. And if I shoot the arrow on target or short, I'll say, those arrows are closer to me. Come back, and you'll know um, while I'm talking to that young boy that you can come. It's safe. But if I overshoot the target, if I, if I launch those arrows way past the target, and I tell that young boy, go further, go quickly, and get out, get my arrows, you'll know for sure that you need to get out because your life is on the line. So you remember that story? That's, that's the long way around this story. I, I couldn't read you all 40-whatever verses, uh, because, but I wanted, I wanted to share that little piece to kind of trigger your brain. Now, the other half of this is we've been talking about legacy and the legacy we leave, right? You can remember we, we talked the very first week about learning our legacy. And then last week we talked about liking our legacy. And today we're going to talk about loving our legacy. Verse 35 through 42. So then the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David he had a small boy with him, and he said to the boy, run and find the arrows I shoot. And as the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out to him, isn't that arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, hurry, go quickly. Don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. The boy knew nothing about all of this. Only Jonathan and David knew. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, Go, carry them back to town. And after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together. But David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, go in peace. We have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to town. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Lord, we come to you. Uh, we quiet our hearts. Recognizing that there are a few moments in our week when we stop long enough to listen. That there are a few moments in our life where we take the time to focus on you and to hear your voice in our life. They seem few and far between. And so, Lord, we ask, even now, that you would honor this time by opening our hearts and quieting our minds. And, Lord, taking the distractions of the week away, even if it's just for a few moments. 
of the story so far removed from today. A story that, Lord, really doesn't make much sense to us in a natural sense. I ask that you would help us to recognize the value of it in a spiritual sense today. Each of us are creating our legacy as we speak. And the reality is that some of us wouldn't be too proud of our legacy. And all of us, at the very least, have work to be done to continue to build it. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would help us to focus on that legacy, the, the peace that we will leave for others, that we will be remembered by, that, that, Lord, the impact we will have on other people's lives. Of not being just a good father or a good spouse or a good parent, but a good person of faith. A person who lived their faith who drew close to God, who was a friend like no other. Lord, I pray this morning that that legacy would continue. And Lord, if that's not a part of our legacy today, I pray that that would be a change that you would see. Because our legacy is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Who will we will be remembered for eternally will be Jesus whether we were on his side or not. And so, Lord, I ask that that would be a focus today. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're little, you can go. Dun, 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 dun. Or if you're medium, I guess you can go too. Cause... It's been a long time since you've been either, Yeah. <laughs> That's right, every day. So a couple things I do want to talk about today is week three. We got one more week about, uh, about our legacy. About Next week we're going to talk about leaving our legacy. Um, I want to give you a heads up. Maybe uh, tickle your fancy a bit. Next week there'll be a, 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 a bunch of these pamphlets. It's called leaving, Leave a Legacy. And there's a bunch of information in here. And you can't see it until next week. I got it, but you can't have it. Really, it's a way um, for you to begin to think about your legacy in, in more of a practical way. Um, we, we don't like to think sometimes about what happens um, when we no longer breathe our air here. And, and yet, the reality is um, that we all, all will face that, right? Unless... Uh, unless Jesus comes back before we die, we are going to face death. And so one of the things that this, this uh, pamphlet does <coughs> excuse me, uh, is allows us to begin to think about the important parts of our legacy. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and it has some questions for you to think about. Uh, it has a love letter in the back for your family. Um, the goal of this, and uh, they will be out, and, other, and there's a spot for other special requests. 
But the whole focus of this is for you to have an opportunity to begin to write down your legacy. Um, just so you know how this will work, I bought a file cabinet to lock, and this will be in a file cabinet in your file, and no one else is ever going to see it. Um, and you want to update it at some point? Great. The whole focus of this, though, is to begin to think about our legacy, that, to, to have a chance. Uh, one of the things I think that um, happens a lot of times when people pass is that we don't take the time and energy to ask them their story, their testimony, to get how they came to Christ and the difference that he's made in their life. And I think it's, I think it's a shame uh, when we get to uh, that point of their life that um, we don't always remember those details. And so that, that's the opportunity. So next week that'll be out there in the hall. I would encourage you to grab one and to fill it out and send it back to the office where we will lock that up. Um, I, I just I, I am doing this because uh, my wife works at a financial place, and she brought home this booklet that was like this thick, and it was all about your financial uh, what legacy, and that's kind of where this all began, and it, when and it had like your passwords and where all your money was and blah blah blah, and it was page after page, and they had one page of your spiritual legacy, like and this is what it was: um, if you die, what funeral home do you want? Uh, what, pa- what priest or pastor do you want? Who, this is the best one. Who do you want at your funeral? Who do you not want at your funeral? <laughs> that is not in mine, just saying. <laughs> but I thought, and it was just this one little, and it was like favorite hymn. You know, it was very like limited. And I began to think about how much, uh, how much richness would be if we were able to share our hearts while we're still alive with those who uh, are there uh, after we're not. And so that's kind of where this is all, the legacy idea has come about. Understanding that our spiritual legacy is important. And so, so those will be available next week. I, 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 give you, I wanted to give you a week to think about that and to think about what your legacy looks like. And the reality is this. If it's not where you want it to be, you have time to change it. If it's where you want it to be, you can still improve upon it. Maybe there's no legacy at this point, and you need to begin a legacy of faith. See, we've talked about legacy. Remember the first week we talked about learning your legacy. Remember uh, Abraham or Abram at that point uh, was called by God to go into a, uh, a different place and begin of faith. And God said, I will take you there. If you follow me, your descendants will be like the grains of sand. And Abram and Sarai went. We remember that. Last week we talked about Timothy and learning to like your legacy, understanding what it means to have a legacy of faith and enjoying that. And Paul is talking from this old man to a young man in ministry and understanding that our legacy uh, is something that we, uh, we grow into and that understanding that you can't see, and what is what Paul tells him, you really can't see your whole life because it's still in front of you. But I, Paul, have look, am looking backwards and I can see where God was faithful in my life and has worked and continued to be faithful in many different ways. And today we're going to talk about loving our legacy And I couldn't help but think and ask myself this, uh, this question this week. What's more important? Uh, 
in my legacy, my last will and testament, or my faith. How much money I'll put in an account my kids will use, or my walk of faith. See, it's easy to say, well, obviously it's my walk of faith, right? But again, I'll ask you that question, what is it that you love? What is it that consumes your time, your energy, your thought process? See, we've created this monster in this world we live. We think this is love, do we not? Warm and fuzzy hearts and valentines and uh, emotion as love. We've created this idea that love is cheap. Uh, probably the opposite of what 1 Corinthians would tell us, right? And if it doesn't work out today with this one, we get a new one and we love someone else and we just go from place to place and God's love is so much different than that. And in today's passage, if you don't know this, uh, this story, it's a great story. The story of David and Jonathan is really about two men who were the best of friends. To the point of what happens in the story today, that Jonathan puts his own life on the line to, to make sure that David is safe. Let me give you the end of the story, right? Jonathan puts his own life on the line. He's, he's crossing his dad. He's a prince. He's one of the heirs, a parent to, his, to Saul. He's crossing his dad to make sure that his best friend David is protected. That's not warm. That's not cozy. And it's not fuzzy. What happens in this story is anything but a love like Be My Valentine. There have been a few, and I just want to clear this up. There have been a few commentators, newer commentators, who say this is something of a homosexual relationship. And I just want to clarify, absolutely not. There is nothing there. And if you read it for yourself, you'll recognize very quickly. They kissed each other with a brotherly kiss. That doesn't make them homosexuals. It disgusts me that people want to twist and taint God's word in that way. They were the best of friends. They knew each other's heart closer than brothers. Remember the story. It started like this. Chapter 16 Samuel's looking for the new king, right? And he brings out all the sons. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wait, none of these are the right one. Oh, yeah, there's another one. He's tending the sheep. He's not, he's not even here. He's the youngest. Oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one God anointed right there. That's where it starts in 16. And then for a time goes by, and then he kills Goliath. And I'm running you through like chapter 16, 17 is like Goliath and uh, he kills Goliath, and at some point, as he gets older, he's in Saul's uh, group, his house, his household. And he's the, Arab, he, he's the guy who God is uh, working into that kingship. 
And he builds this friendship with Jonathan, probably a young man similar to his age. And we know how that works, right? We, we can be far removed from our teenage years, growing up as kids. We remember our friends. We may not see them every day, but I promise you this. If they're a good friend, we can pick up a conversation 20 years after and, never, and act like it never stopped, right? You know what I'm talking about. If you have a good friend, closer than a brother, as Scripture says, that friend is always your friend. You may not spend time together. You may not do things together. But David and Jonathan spent a lot of time together as David would play the harp for Saul, trying to ease his mind. The paranoia, whatever it was, the angst, troubled him, Scripture says. And David would play the harp to try to ease that. It came to the point where David knew his life was on the line. And there wasn't another choice. There wasn't another opportunity. David knew that Saul wanted him dead. This is not like um, the way things work today. Today there would be a trial if that were to happen. <coughs> Excuse me. Back then, and we know historically, that kings would take out anyone who crossed them. They would take out their own kids, their brothers and sisters, whoever it was that they thought would, would thwart them from the, the throne, they would take out. And we've seen that historically. These kings were power-hungry. They were paranoid and arrogant. And this was the same situation. And so he comes to this point where they have to make a plan to save David's life. And Jonathan tells this story. He says, listen, I'm going to shoot these arrows, and that'll be the sign Mind you, as he's preparing to shoot these arrows, these two young men had spent considerable time together. They had done life together. They lived in the same house. Spent time. You know how that works when you run around with your buddies. You ride your bikes together. You stay at each other's house. You enjoy the time. And you become like one. And Jonathan knew that if what David said was true, that he had to do the hard thing. He had, to, he had to shoot the arrows long. Not because he wanted to. And if you read Scripture and you recognize and you go from here out, you realize that him and David and Jonathan really separate ties at this point. They're no longer close uh, and tight like they were. Because after this, David goes on the run. Saul's after him. Not only is Saul angry, Saul's really angry. And David's on the run, and Saul's after him. Not only Saul, Saul's army. And his goal is one thing. Kill David. And so when Jonathan pulls the string on that bow and shoots it over the young man's head and over the target and goes long. He knows 
full well what that means. It's not a nice arrow flying through the air, but rather the separation of a friendship he loved so much. The separation of a friend that was closer than a brother. And so when he launched those arrows, he did it in love. A love that said, listen, what I want is you to stay. But I understand that love means that I have to do the right thing, not what I want to do. And if you didn't notice that it happened in secret, did you recognize that he told the young boy, take my bow and my arrow and go home? Why did he say that? Because he knew if someone knew what happened, that he had spared David's life, that his father would take his. We get a glimpse of that in, the verse, uh, in verse 41. It says, David bowed down before Jonathan. This is right after, right? The son, the young boy takes the arrows and bow and he goes back to town. David comes out from behind the rock and Jonathan meets him there one last time. Guaranteed his heart was broken. It says, David bowed down to Jonathan three times. Do you know what that means? David recognized who Jonathan was, that Jonathan was the prince, and that Jonathan could take his life at any moment. That's what it meant to bow down three times with his face to the ground. He recognized that David recognized his hands was in Jonathan's, his life was in Jonathan's hands, and Jonathan had spared him. That is a legacy of love. It says they kissed each other and wept together, broken that their friendship would end in this way. Broken. Have you ever had a friend move away? I had a friend move away in sixth grade. I thought the world ended. Michelle Terrell, I don't, I never spoke another word to her. I don't know where she's at. I don't, know she, I don't have a clue. But I can remember being in sixth grade. And at the end of the year, she was moving away. This is pre-Facebook. <laughs> or texting or any of those all good things, right? Because nowadays we can stay connected no matter where we're at. But back then it was the end of something. A friendship that was all of grade school, through kindergarten and first grade, all the way through sixth grade. We were close friends. And her family was moving. And I can remember the feeling, my heart being broken. Felt so lost and alone. My friend was moving away. And I didn't know when we'd talk again. 
death as a way of reminding us that as well. The loss of a loved one feels like they moved away forever. It's heavy. It's heavy. And so what can we send them off with? I appreciate uh, Rick Warren's uh, quote. It says, eternal values, not temporal ones, should become the deciding factor for your decisions. When our friend moves away, or we have a separation, or something changes in our life, we have an opportunity to leave a legacy in them. And the legacy of love is one that says, listen, your spiritual well-being is much more important than how much money I can put in your pocket or how much inheritance you'll have or giving you a house or whatever it is. Those are things that are temporal. Don't minimize the spiritual end of things. I admire and appreciate people who say, well, those are my kids and they're grown up and they get to choose about their faith. Perfectly fine. But you, do you realize the legacy that you're allowing them to not in, be involved in if you don't share the gospel in, an, in a very real way with them as adults as well? It should break your heart. It breaks my heart. Because all that money, all that stuff, he who dies with the most toys still dies. You remember that? I used to have a buddy that had one that said, he who dies with the most to toys wins. But I like the Christian version of it. It says, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Do you know what legacy Jonathan left with David? Maybe you haven't thought about this. It took me all week to think about this. I, I just, Jonathan says in verse 42, and this is not, this, it says in, our, in NIV, the Lord, but I thought Yahweh was helpful for me. It says, Yahweh is between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. Jonathan says, you know, Yahweh, right? God, our God, is between you and I and our offspring, and your offspring forever. Jonathan, even though he knew in his heart that this was going to be the last time they would be together in a physical sense, he knew that God was with them in spite of the things that would happen. And even though his heart was broken that he would have to not have that friendship as close, he knew that he was doing the right thing. Because the selfish Jonathan would say, no, you know what, David, I can protect you. I'll, I'll be between you and my dad at all times. But I think Jonathan knew in his heart of hearts that there was no way that he would protect. And the only way he would protect David was to say goodbye. 
The really cool and neat part, Jonathan didn't know who David would be or who he would become. And yet, he knew he needed to protect him. I think marriage is in a lot of ways that way. And I believe that's why God gives us marriage. An opportunity to understand a legacy of love. An opportunity to be selfless and caring and loving to the point where we care less about our own well-being and more about another's. And what a great response, uh, response that God would give us that opportunity to understand how he treats us. He loves us more than he loves himself. He sent his son to the cross for that reason. So what legacy will you leave? Let me tell you a little story about a young lady who lived in a wall. If you don't know this story, it's in Joshua chapter 2. She wasn't Jewish. She owned a, uh, what we might call a brothel at this point, whorehouse. I don't know, call it what you want. She was a prostitute. She owned a building where prostitution happened. You know what story I'm talking about? A young lady by the name of Rahab. And when they sent two spies, she protected those spies. Do you remember that story? Joshua chapter 2, if you, get it, if you haven't read it, it's pretty powerful. She makes a deal. I'll protect you. I'll save your life. I'll spare you by putting you on the roof and I'll hide you. Even though you're Jews and I'm not. But we got to make a deal. Here's the deal. I know you're coming back. And I know you're going to knock down the walls. And I know you're going to take us out. Because God's hand is on you. And so here's the deal. I'll put out a scarlet cloth, a rope on my wall. And all I ask is that you spare myself and my family. And we know the story, right? When they get there, they take everybody out except Rahab and her family. Not a Jew. She's not a Jewish, but she jumps into the Jewish faith. By the way, that's just like us. Just wanted you to know. I don't know there's any of Jewish faith, uh, Jewish background here, but most of us are Gentiles, if not all. Rahab's faith leaves a legacy. Let me fast forward just a bit to Matthew chapter 1. Salmon became father of Boaz by Rahab from Jericho. If you don't know what this is, let me read a little bit further. Boaz became the father of Obed by Ruth from Moab. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse 
became the father of King David. Yeah, same David that we've been talking about all morning. Jonathan's best buddy. Same lineage. And if you don't understand what this is, this is the line of Jesus. This is the line, the bloodline that brought, that came to Jesus. It included our buddy David. And it included Rahab. Both of them created a legacy we would never forget. Both of them because of their faith. So I'll leave you with this last question. What will be your legacy? I don't know. I won't know. But I promise that God does. And if you're not sure where your legacy is at this moment, let me challenge you. Let me encourage you to ask if Jesus is the the Lord of your life. Is he the one running your life at this point? Because if he's not running your life, That's not your legacy. Scripture is very plain. It tells us if we want Jesus to be the Lord of our life, we need to be allowing him into our hearts and to let him rule our life. Way too often we're good at giving him a little peace on Sunday morning, taking it back on Monday. That's not what Scripture tells us. Tells us we need to give us, give him our whole being. And take the chance of being called the Jesus freak. The reality is that's where the, our legacy will be. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so good, it's so powerful in our lives. And we're reminded, Lord, that a legacy of love looks a whole lot like what Jonathan did, which was to do opposite of what he felt was the right thing to do, but do what he knew was the right thing to do. Lord, for anyone this morning who hasn't made that step of faith, who hasn't made you Lord of their life, I pray this morning that they would find themselves at the altar an opportunity to give their life in service of you. In your name we pray. Amen.